Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to formally welcome you back to a show derived by the biggest and most respected media outlet globally. Folks, this is The Podject. This is your host, Hopsy Baby Boy, bringing you episode number 44. Episode 44 being the Chris Pronger episode, the last defenseman to win the Hart Memorial Trophy for the league's most valuable player in the National Hockey League since the one and only Robert Gordon Orr. Yeah, put that in your back pocket and sit on it. How about, yeah? Folks, we haven't had an episode in a month in one day. And I can apologize for that. But it was more of, um, it was a lot of clerical duties this last month. Um, You know, I heard a little bit of a rumor. Not a rumor. It's public knowledge. Uh, Spotify goes out and offers this blonde bimbo who runs her mouth like a goddamn garbage can $60 million for running that show Caller Daddy that's corrupting this nation's youth. So I go in there, make an offer. I said, what are you going to give me, Spotify? What kind of traffic am I driving to your application? And they said, next to none. And I said, give me $600. And they said, nope. I said, $150. $150. 44 episodes. I'm looking for $3.40 compensation to what I bring you and your listeners on the airwaves each and every, not weekly apparently. Is this a weekly show or is it monthly? We don't know. But I promise you this, it's going to get back on the goddamn fucking horse right now okay so just relax everything is going to be good um this last month though the reason there actually has been an absence of content i was back up in timmins uh for all of august there and i just got back two nights ago just trying to get some money you know i gotta work i don't have you know i got no help for this show i got no assistance i need to derive some funds and invest them deep down into this program because this show is all I have. I don't have much, folks. But when I wake up in the morning, I, when people ask me, what, what, Harrison, what do you do? I say, I'm a broadcaster. I'm a broadcaster. Not a podcast. I'm a broadcaster. And they're, oh, yeah, where do you work? I'm like, I'm self-employed. And they're, oh, yeah, oh, what do you do? I'm like, I'm sure you've heard of my work. Okay, stop playing fucking games. And shut the fuck up. Is usually how that conversation goes. But we're back, baby episode number 44 feels so good to have that microphone in front of my face again i feel like a real man you know what i mean you get that feeling deep within your loins folks i've been all over the place the last couple weeks i've been trying to work something out trying to continue my hockey career been really looking at uh, maybe making the jump over to some european leagues had a couple different offers that, uh, unfortunately, they were offering me nothing north of bus fare and half a flight over to Europe. So instead of going broke, I chose to you know look out for some other options. And I was really holding out on a team over in France in the second league. I was really looking forward to it. I had a really good conversation with the coach a couple weeks ago. And uh, I thought it was in the bag. You know, and you get that feeling like you just feel like the conversation's going good. Everything feels right. Uh, felt like me and him were hitting it off, and that's very important with a coach and player relationship. And then, uh, of course, uh, he's like, yeah, I'll let you know in a week. Week turns into two. Two weeks turns into two and a half. And then we're here almost at three fucking weeks. I was waiting. I was waiting. I was telling other teams to get lost because I think this is going to work out. I'm taking my talents to France. I'm going to feel good. And then yesterday, I'm working, and I have to go take a hot shit. Hot shit. I'm on the bathroom, I'm on the toilet, relieving myself at, at work, as I said, and I take out my phone. 
I go on to elite prospects like I do probably six to 17 times a day, daily. And I look at the transfer board. The transfer board tells you pretty much anyone over junior age and above where these guys are going to play and what's happening. And what do I see? I see the team that I was hoping to go to, hoping to sign their last import D spot on the roster. I see the transfer board. They've signed someone else. Fuck, I was mad. I was so pissed. I really was mad, I'll be honest. You know, when you hold out and you wait and you wait and you feel good about something, I made the mistake of telling a couple people, yeah, maybe this will work out. Then you have your dreams shattered from within while you're on the shitter. Yeah, that's rock bottom, baby. That's a tough spot for anyone to be. But I'm not going to slow down. Not at all. No, but seriously, that's literally what happened yesterday. And um, I was about to uh, I was about to make this episode about an hour ago. I actually started recording it. I was two minutes into the recording of this episode. And then what happens? I didn't put my computer on silent. So the text messages come through it. It goes ding, ding, ding. Making that brutal sound that every podcast somehow it, it, it's included at some point. And like the biggest podcasts in the world, someone will leave their phone on and you'll hear the ding. That's what happened. I look up. It's that coach in France texting me, telling me, yada, 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 really liked our talks. Sorry, this was out of my... Co-. Shut up, is what I wanted to say. But I didn't, because he was a good guy. I enjoyed talking to him. But it pissed me off. It just restirred those emotions of my anger. So I had to press pause and restart it. I had to take about 45 minutes staring at my bedroom wall before I could get this microphone going again. But that's the thing. These shortcomings in life, they're not going to stop me from doing what I love. Holding this microphone, talking to you all, conversing, changing the world through the audio airwaves. Maybe that's what I was meant to do. Maybe this is a sign from God. Put away that hockey stick, Harrison. You grab that microphone and you shove it so far up your ass that it can't come out and this is the only thing you'll ever be able to do the rest of your goddamn fucking days. Maybe that's the direction we're going to go, okay? I am the most indecisive man possibly on the planet. I don't really like making decisions. And I've always had this weird thing in the back of my head Where it's like, well, I don't really care what decision I make. Because whatever happens, whatever plays out in front of me, I know that I'm going to make the most of it and try my best to enjoy it. Okay? So you will never be disappointed if that's your mindset. No, I didn't read that in a book. I made it up. Maybe it wasn't a book. Maybe that author's a smart man. But this was my own personal investigation that I've found this out. Take things in stride, folks. Okay? Because you just never fucking know what's going to happen. And that goes for anything. Sports, life, family, relationships, anything in general, okay? But I'm, I'm very confused of what to do now. Um, I was really hoping to get over to a place in Sweden before this France opportunity seemed to have presented itself. And that's uh, just, it just wasn't going to work out financially. And this is what really is pissing me off right now is I want to play. I feel really good. I'm the lightest I've been in about five or six seasons I was looking forward to trying to play at my weight right now, which is literally like 20 pounds lighter than I've played previous seasons. I think it would feel fantastic not to rip around with an extra 20 pounds on the barrel. So I was looking forward to playing and seeing what's going to happen. But uh, with my options, the way they're looking right now, I think that my only opportunity is to play in the Southern League, the Southern Professional Hockey League, which I've played before and had a really good time down there. 
but um, I've got this weird little thing going on, a little different. In the Southern Professional League, you need 25 games played under your belt to no longer be considered a rookie. And when you're a rookie, you're only allotted rookie pay. Rookie pay being $250 American a week, which is pretty much what some people pay on ass wipes. That's what some people will wipe their asses with, maybe not even weekly. Some do it daily. And, you know, it's not about the money for me hockey-wise. It never has been. It never will be. Well, I don't think it will be at this rate. But, you know, you got to survive. You have to survive. And I am in a little bit of an unfortunate situation, like many are, millions are around the world. I got some student debt, okay? My student debt payments right now, I pay about 500 You know, it's like 486 or something like that. So we'll say 500 a, a monthly, Canadian. And... If I'm going to make $1,000 a week, I mean, sorry. Yeah, that'd be cool. $1,000 a month American playing down in the Southern League, which doesn't matter what team I sign with, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be $250 weekly. And then half of that monthly is just going straight to my student loan, but that's being Canadian. So all I'm going to end up doing is, you know, you work hard all summer long, and then, you know, you get this Canadian money put aside in your bank account. Maybe you put it under your mattress because you're crazy. I don't know what you do, but you got to make these payments. And when they come off, they're going to come off Canadian. So I'm going to just end up spending all this money that I worked hard to save Canadian. And then I'm going to have no Canadian dollars really funneling into the loss of that revenue, the loss of that money, not revenue, the loss of my savings, truthfully. So like, what do I do? What do I do? I can't fucking play. I don't know. I want to play. Like, my body wants to play. My mind wants to play. You know what does it? My fucking wallet. That doesn't want to play at all. That's like, it's, I, sometimes I look at it, and it's like, it's like looking at me like disappointed. It's like, come on, man. Come on, man. It's time to figure this shit out. And I'm like, give me another year, okay? Give me another year down there. I know you're bleeding. We'll put a Band-Aid on it for right now. Go buy a couple Bodog bets or something like that. Do a little pro-line. Maybe we'll feed you a little something, stick something in your satch. I don't know what we're going to do, but I do want to play. But at the same time, you know, maybe it's time to move on, okay? I truly believe that whatever I, I pursue in this world, I will be happy. And uh, I know that. So, I mean, hockey's been my love for my whole life. I've always wanted to play professionally. And I've gotten the opportunity to a degree playing, you know, parts of two seasons and down in the Southern League with the Birmingham Bulls. Uh, I got nothing but good things to say about that organization, that town, uh, my time there. But um, I just don't know if I can go back, you know? I just don't know. Might be time to grow up here. I don't know. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling that to you all on the air as a form of therapy, therapeuticness. Um, I was skating up in Timmins, which was nice. I am, you know, I was still actively preparing as if I'm an athletic player, hockey player. So I, I skated with the uh, the junior A team up in Timmins, got some ice up there, and then I actually did their full training camp, which was actually really nice. It was good. Um, it's hard to skate once you're past, like, you know, uni- even junior age. After that, like, you know, there's not really that many, especially if you're in a small town, you know, you're out of, out of a bigger city, you're kind of limited to what kind of skates you're going to get out there for. So I was skating with guys 15 to, you know, my age and older. And there was only a few of us that were playing post-junior still. So you get out there and you deal with, you know, the ice that you can get. And, you know, it was a really good skate. And the nice thing about that age group is all these, you know, we were skating, like I said, in the junior A, the Timmins rock, the Timmins junior A 
rock camp. Nice thing about a skate like that is all these kids are going buck wild. You know, it's training camp. They're trying to prove themselves to the coach. Many are trying to, you know, get a spot on the team. So these guys are going buck 10. These guys are, you know, these guys are into it. They're taking it as seriously as possible. And that's sometimes better than skating with a bunch of younger kids in the summer who are just fucking around. So it was a good skate. We had a good time. But something that I had not been exposed to in a long time and it's sad because, you know, when you're a younger kid, you're just surrounded by it, basically laughing out loud the entire time you are surrounded by it. But I hadn't been surrounded by hockey dads in so fucking long. Like this place was riddled with hockey dads. You know, it's also, we're up in Timmins, obviously, you know, your kid's going out for a skate at night. It's summer, they're, you know, they're back on the ice. You know, dads are going to come out and they're going to check out the fucking rink. They're going to see what's going on. They're going to, you know, see how their kid's playing, shoot the shit. I think 90% of hockey dads put their kid into the game just so they can be around the rink. They don't give a flying fuck about what their kid's up to. The kid could hate the game. They wouldn't even care. This is his escape, little Johnny, okay? So don't you goddamn fucking be spoiled and ruin this for your father. No, but the hockey dads have always been my favorite. And I mean, I'm sure it's universal. Like, I'm sure we could just say sports dads. Any sports dads are absolutely comical. But me being a hockey player, surrounded by it my whole life, you know, my experiences pertaining to hockey fathers. And my God, if I tell you right now, uh, things haven't changed much. I mean, things were absolutely hysterical when I grew up. I remember, like, I feel like I learned a lot of my social cues, like, being at the rink and, like, learning, like, what's, like, should be deemed acceptable and what should not be deemed acceptable through, like, I mean, conversational ability is what we'll say. And so I'm, I'm not even in the rink yet, and I end up meeting this guy up in Timmins. And, you know, he's there with his son. Son's probably doesn't even have his fucking full driver's license yet. So he's got to be driven to the rink. And anyways, he knows the guy that I'm skating with, my buddy. And um, so he comes out of the car, he walks over, and he's and he's talking. And I can tell me, like, oh, this guy loves to chat. You know, he seems like a great guy. And then, you know, five minutes goes by. I introduce myself. I tell him who I am, yada, 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 where I'm playing, where I was playing, where I'm hoping to play, what my plans are. And we're just shooting the shit, you know, good old hockey dad talk, you know, you know, you do what you got to do. But then like the conversation takes, you know, a turn and it's not really a turn, but what I couldn't help but notice is I'm conversing for about five minutes with the father. The son is standing immediately to his right. The son hasn't said one fucking word yet. Like, a, not even, like, a syllable. He hasn't even piped in. He's literally just standing there. He wasn't even making eye contact with us. Like, I don't even know if he knew that the conversation involved him exclusively, essentially. And it's like, he just didn't even know we were there. He's just, like, staring off into the distance. Like, not, like not really, like, present, we'll say. We'll say he wasn't present with the conversation. But then I just noticed, I'm like, does this kid have a mouth? Does this kid even use it? And then I quickly realized, I'm like, oh no, the dad does all the talking for him. So I go in there. Basically, this is how the conversation go. Oh yeah, hey, I'm so-and-so. This is my son so-and-so. Um, he's so-and-so old, playing here, going there next year. He just starts telling me everything about his son. Telling me all about it. And then he starts like, hockey dads kill me when they do shit like this. I'm not going to tell you detail for detail of how the conversation went, but these are the kind of like... Is it an antidote or is it like a, I don't even, what the fuck is the word I'm looking for? Like nuances, like certain things I start picking up on and I'm like, oh, 
So it's all starting to make sense. So after the dads introduced himself, shooting the shit, talking, I start noticing some conversational cues that just immediately make me always laugh. So this is how the dad's talking. He's explaining to us how his son is going to be going down south to play at one of these numerous prep schools that have just popped up overnight, it seems, in Canada. Everyone's paying fucking 50 grand to send their kid down to play midget hockey when you can play 2,000 and send him to the rink of down the block. But no, everyone's got to go and spend a bunch of money and put a bunch of money into their kid to become a fucking third liner in midget AAA. That's what it seems. Like, let's just invest in that. But the dad starts talking about his son and telling us about his decision to make the change to go to prep school instead of playing minor hockey up in the Timmins region. And he starts to explain it like this. He goes, well, we're going down there because the coach says that he's going to put us in the O the year after. And if that's not an opportunity that we can, you know, acquire for ourselves, then we're going to go to the Q. This is how the father's talking to me. We're going. We're going to the O. If that doesn't work out, we're going to go to the Q. I literally just, I, I had to start staring at my feet. The second I started hearing that line of conversation go, I just wanted to pipe up. I'm like, where the fuck are you going, old man? Where are you going with your fucking barrel, your golf shorts past your fucking knees, and the cigarette hanging out your lip? You are about as far from the Ontario Hockey League as anyone, someone in Antarctica is closer to the Ontario Hockey League than this man talking about him and his son, saying that that we are going to go to the Ontario Hockey League. And then if we can't do that, we're going to make our way to the Quebec Major Junior League. I just, I, I couldn't hear another word that he said about his son after. I couldn't hear one fucking word. All I could focus on is the fact that he was talking about his son. No, he was talking for his son. And then he starts talking to me about how his son was such a shy kid. How um, he can't believe that they're even related. Always said that his wife, he's like, ah, I don't know, is this really my kid? You know, he's so different than me. And I'm like, well, why do you think your son's so fucking shy? He's so fucking shy because he doesn't need to speak because daddy, daddy will do it for him. That's a big fucking no-no, okay? I I have so many experiences like this. Like, my, I was so lucky growing up. Like, my dad, like, unfortunately, my father, his father wasn't around as much during his younger life. My, fa- my grandfather passed away early in my father's life, and my father was heavily involved in sports, heavily involved. And, you know, his mother being a single mother, my grandmother was a nurse. She was very busy. She didn't have the time to, you know, take my father to hockey and and be involved and, and, you know, be there every night. So I have a lot of great memories of my father and I, you know, cutting around the rinks and minor hockey and chatting. And one thing I can always say, and I mean, from my belief, is that my, my father never spoke like this to others. He, you know, he, he, sure, he might think that in his head, which is fine. You know, we're all proud of our kids, but we do not speak like that to other individuals, especially ones that we have no prior history with that we've literally just met. It's like, how can I tell you that I'm a fucking loser in 30 seconds or less? That's the perfect way to do it. But I remember so many numerous times growing up, like kids that I like, you know, my buddies even, like, I'd always laugh. Like, you know, when you're like younger and you're like, you're a young kid and you're laughing. You're like, dude, so-and-so's dad's a fucking loser. Like, you could be like nine years old and already think people's fathers are fucking losers. That's what I love about the human brain. Like, we're smart when we're young. And I think a lot of us get smart when we're young. And then there's like a certain cutoff. For some, it might even be 16. 
that we just fill up our brains to 16 and then we can't put anything else in it after. That's a different conversation. But I remember being with my dad and like talking to a guy, another hockey dad on the team, while like while the guy's kid is standing literally right next to him. And these dads just go and they start talking, literally just telling us how fucking sweet how fucking sweet their son is telling us all about how many points he's gotten about how all these coaches are already asking him about playing their next year about all the opportunities that he has through the game that this great season he's put forth has now provided him all the while the kid that they're talking to and father like the 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 father's son that this man is speaking to has all the same hopes and dreams when it comes to the game of hockey, is playing in the legitimately exact same league, in the exact same things. Maybe he doesn't have as many points as the other kid and stuff, but do you really need to address that in front of other people as a, as a father? Man, when people are overly proud of their kids, like when someone like, this isn't just going for hockey dads or athletes or, this is just in general. When people, like, it's when it's obvious that like people think their kids are sweet, and like you, you know, this might even happen with your friends. If, if you're like around your buddy and like you can just tell that like his family like thinks that this guy's the fucking man, this girl's the fucking shit, so on and so forth. I drive, nothing drives me more fucking insane than that. There's, and like, hey, again, you want to be proud of your family. You want to be proud of your kids. You want your father, your parents, your guardians, you want them to be proud of you. This is not what I'm fucking saying. It's that you don't do it really in front of other people. Just don't do it. You look like a fucking loser. This is like, this is life advice, okay? I wanted to talk about this for three minutes and all of a sudden I'm still talking about it because it has had such an impact, I feel like, on so many people's lives around me. It's just like, we all deal with this. We deal with this constantly. This is my only life lesson. Do not pump your kids up too much in front of their peers in front of your peers as a parent because that is the first way that you will look like a fucking loser guaranteed bar none don't do it if you want to start thinking you're sweet how about you and your son you shut the door you get into maybe the man cave downstairs and you start talking to your kid being like hey johnny fuck you look good last night man yeah you were ripping that puck around so fucking good you're the best player on this team and actually multiple parents have came up and told me that little johnny is a good player like that's how you do it you do it behind closed doors you don't go say it you don't start running your mouth looking for validation of others the peers around you maybe they're not peers maybe they're random people I will never forget this interaction and I really do want to say his name because this this kid plays in the NHL now. He's from Calgary. He plays in a Canadian team in the Western Conference. I'll leave it at that, okay? Plays in a Canadian team in the Western Conference. And um, one time I was at Pro Skate. Pro Skate, it was called. That was the hockey store I always used to go to in Calgary. Um, in my eyes, I thought it was the fucking shit. I just thought it was the coolest store ever. It was just the best. That's where I got all my shit. Sticks, equipment, skates, anything, tape, sharpenings. I did everything there. It was my life. And you know, that's what's hilarious about hockey, especially minor hockey. And this is why we have so many interactions with hockey dads as hockey players. is because like that'd be a completely routine thing to do once a week, maybe multiple times a week. Is like you go with your dad to the sports store and you get your skate sharpened. And, you know, Calgary was a big place. A lot of people playing hockey. There wasn't that many hockey stores, I feel like, in Calgary. 
for a big city like that. Yeah, tons of places that sell hockey stuff. But me being a little, I mean, not what, pretentious? Because I want to go to a hockey store to buy my hockey gear. I don't want to go to Sport Check or Winners or some bullshit. Walmart. I went to a hockey store. But you go there. So you're, you're in constant contact with people from all over, you know, Calgary. You, you see these people. And, you know, you put your skates in. There's going to be a line. So you got to wait for a while to get your wheels done. It's going to take some time. So you're spending some time hanging out. Maybe if you're not even, you know, not shopping for gear always, but you're going to look around at the sticks. And then the dads end up just kind of like sitting around on the fucking seats that you use when you try on skates because they don't want to look at all these $400 twigs that they're going to have to go buy their son and pull their hair out the second that he goes to bed. That's not what they're going to do. So these guys just start sitting around. And I'll never forget this interaction that my father had. And my dad listens to this show. So I hope that, dad, I hope you're fucking going to laugh at this because you and I haven't talked about this in years. But I don't believe I was there, I don't think. But I, like you told, my dad told me this story so well. And it was so fucking funny that like, I feel like I was there. So I'm going to tell it on the behalf of my father. Okay? You don't like that? Shut up and watch a different fucking show, you fucking idiot. But anyways, so this guy's kid plays for fucking, I don't even remember where he played. But he just starts going on with stupid shit like, My son has played 75 games of peewee hockey this year. 75 games of hockey. And then you add in spring hockey, you're going to have to put in another 25 more. I got a 12-year-old who's played 90 to 100 games of organized hockey this year. And I love it. Says, I love it. But he has to correct himself and be like, well, well, he loves it too. He, hey, he loves it too. But my son, huh, a lot of games played, that's how you become a player. Not all this practice. I don't know who I'm talking to. Like, I don't know why I feel like this is the voice that he'd be speaking on towards his son. But um, yeah, it does. And at the end of the day, like that wasn't a very good analogy of, of how that conversation went down. But the lesson learned is your son could be really good at hockey and you could be a part of you know how that came to be you clearly are as a father you need to support your son as a parent you need to support your son to help your kid get to these higher levels of sport but that will never change the fact that you and your son could very well be fucking losers again you could play in the highest league in the world you could have all the money in the world you could have every accomplishment you could have everything you've ever searched out to do but at the end of the day, you can still be a fucking loser. And that, no money will ever change that, okay? So this is the kind of loser shit that I'm talking about you all to avoid. If you're listening to this show, no losers are allowed to listen to this show. If you're a loser, just please turn it off right now, okay? Don't come at me, but just just turn the show off. It's not fucking for you, man. This is a loser-free zone, I don't care where you where you play, how much money you make, what you do for a living. Just don't be a fucking loser. So many people are like, so many people just don't understand that to me. People will be like, oh yeah, like you think I'm a tool? Well, I got a fucking sick new Jeep fucking Wrangler 2021 souped up with a lift kit. I'm like, yeah, how about you drive that over your fucking head then, you fucking loser? It's my favorite word in the world. Like, it might be my favorite word is loser. It's not a swear word. I swear all the time on this show. I get so much shit for that. I got aunts and uncles who will call me being like, can you tone down the swearing, Harrison? And I'm like, fuck off. No, I'm just joking. I would never say that to my aunts and uncles. 
but seriously, I, I, I swearing feels good to me. I kind of like it. Kind of like it. Flies off my tongue a little too quick. I was that kid. I've, I've said this time and time again that like I realized from a young age that if you knew what a swear was and if you said it, like if you said the F word, like I remember watching the Titanic. I know I've said this on the show before about this story, but I remember watching the Titanic and like when Jack Dawson is handcuffed in the basement to the pipes of the Titanic and it's going down and the water's rising and he's got to get sweet old Rose in her nice fancy dress to come down with the fire axe and chop his fucking his fucking cuffs off. He, he like, I don't know if she hits his hand with the axe or he falls into the cold water, but he yells, he lets a huge fuck go. And like when I was watching that movie at that time, which would have been, I would have been like five, four or five. I remember him letting go that fuck. And like, I remember the reaction of the room because I was in it. Everyone's like, (gasps) and looks over at me because I'm fucking four. And you know, I'm hearing the F bomb for the first time. And then everyone looks at me and I was like, what and like they just like didn't address it you don't want to say what was the problem but then like the next day I think I stubbed my toe and yelled fuck because I thought that's what you're supposed to do and the reaction I got from that was priceless like when you're when you I think if you're a four-year-old if if I see a little kid like rip out like an f-bomb like I think that's hilarious the kid shouldn't be saying that that's why it's funny he's doing what he shouldn't be doing but he's doing it like in an innocent way like, I'm sure four-year-olds aren't coming up to you being like, hey, fuck you, loser. Like, if they are, like, <laughs> maybe good for them and maybe you should look in the mirror and do some fucking investigation. But, like, that's not what he's doing. Like, if, if a kid's stubbing his toe and he's saying the F word, it's hilarious. So when I did that, like, people laughed and they thought it was funny. And uh, I blame the Titanic. I blame Leonardo DiCaprio and the scriptwriters of the Titanic for my swearing problem because that's where it originated. And then after that, it was game over. Especially if there was parents not around, like you, maybe you're hanging around, like my sister wasn't that much older than me, but like she's three and a half, four years older. But at that age, you know, that seems like three and a half generations older. So I remember being like, she'd have a friend or two over. I'd be like, fuck. And they'd all laugh. And I, I, I thought it was hilarious. I liked making people laugh. And that was one of the first ways I ever remember doing it. Unfortunately, was swearing at a very young age. So I don't recommend any of you doing that. But, um, yeah, I guess. And um, it's funny because I wrote down a bunch of things I was going to talk about. And then I've, I've, I've talked about not one single one of them. I wrote about how I was going to talk about the Spotify thing at the beginning. And um, after that, I've just trailed off. It's 30 minutes now. And I don't even know what I've said. I've just been rambling on. Okay. A lot of stuff built up in this bod right now. Month off the microphone. I got a lot to say. And I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Um, before I get to anything else, there's a couple clerical duties. Um, the projects indigenous aid fund is still, it's active and I'm like, I'm knocking at the door of our thousand dollar goal. Again, thousand dollars is literally fuck all, but if we can do anything to donate some money again to an organization, that's actually going to try and do something like, Hey, you want to go change your profile pic? Go fucking right ahead. That's not what I want to do. Okay. And like, yes, I have to post this shit on Facebook and talk about it on social media because that's how I make it known. So people can donate to the fund so that we can help. Okay. I've had numerous of you have, have reached out to get shirts I haven't sent a single one of them out yet. I know that this is like over a month since you guys solidified your shirt order. But again, I'm not a, I'm not a clothing merchandiser. This isn't what I do. I'm horrific at getting a podcast out weekly. Imagine how bad I am at sending a shirt across the country. 
okay? Not good at all. But I think I still have a couple available. I'm going to do a little bit of a post, and uh, we're going to see what's what. I'm going to put aside all the shirts that have been spoken for. There might be a couple left. But please, please, if you have not yet donated, just help me out. It doesn't have to be much. Donate 20 bucks if you want, 10 bucks, anything. I just want to get that up to $1,000 so I can get this money out of there. This GoFundMe is just marinating right now, and I don't want to deal with it any longer, okay? I'd love to deal with it longer and raise all the money in the world, but I can't. I can't do it, okay? So this is my this is what we're going to do. We're going to give it to True North Aid. We're going to get them up there. They're going to make a difference up north with the communities that need it, okay? If you, um, if you know someone that wants a shirt, you don't want a shirt, that kind of thing can work too. Just message me. We'll make it happen. Uh, please follow me on Instagram. Please follow the page, the, the podcast on Facebook. Um, I need a little help there. The social media. I'm so fucking bad at it. Like I wish, I wish, I wish I had a little producer guy who could take care of Like, you know, that's my dream. I need to link up with a guy whose who's thing, whose gift of the gab is the media side of things, the producing, and that they get their rocks off by being able to do all that, which they're good at and they're passionate about, but they also want to be on the show a little bit. That's the dream. I want a little Ben Avery, like the Tim Dillon guy has. If you don't listen to Tim Dillon, you're wrong. He's the best podcaster comedian out there right now. He has this guy, Ben Avery, and they have the perfect relationship. Ben Avery's hilarious. He chimes in when he needs to chime in. He shuts up when he needs to shut up. It's the perfect, perfect, like, you know, relationship. I mean, Joe Rogan, he's got a good one too. That Jamie guy, I think his name is. That's what you need. You need the boys humming the screens in the back, okay? That's not what I was made to do. I am made to run my mouth a mile a minute. And that's what I'm going to do, okay? I often think, you know, I've been spending all this summer working, working so gosh damn hard up in the roofs, slinging the hot mops around. Joking, we don't do that. Um, what if I put all that time into podcasting? All of it. Just all of that time. Imagine how where the show might be. I could have taught myself how to do a little social media marketing, how to do a little more production value for the show. But I didn't. So I don't know what to tell you, but uh, where's the financial gain for for that, in, for me in that right now? That's the thing. I'm not an established celebrity, comedian, talk show host, fucking blonde haired bitch who apparently that's all you need to get a show going up and call her daddy is just be a blonde haired idiot. Joking. I'm sure she's smart. She has a show that has fucking jillions of followers. So, I mean, who am I to say? I got a show that 14 people listen to. Six of them are my aunts and uncles. Two other are my friends who I basically paid them to do so. And the one other is just some fucking weirdo, probably. Sitting in his basement. He doesn't eat anything but cherry-flavored Pez. And soda pop. That's what his diet consists of. Uh, Before we get on to more pressing manners in this show, um, I have to tell this story. And I hope I haven't done so on this show before, because that's the issue too. I'm at 44 episodes right now. You know, I haven't, I haven't, I try not to deep to dive too deep into my, a lot of my personal stories because I got to save those. I got a career of broadcasting to get out. And I know with the millions of listeners that are currently listening to the show, I don't want to ruin that for the future. Okay. But I used to work at a company called Explosive Landscaping in Calgary, Alberta, and it was the, it was a hilarious job. It was a hilarious summer. Like I think two or three, four of my friends also worked at the same landscaping company, 
and um, we all had kind of different gigs, but like we were all around each other. You know, you'd see each other in the yard, parking the trucks. Like you'd hear them yapping on the company CB radio. So it was a fucking really good time, and we had a good time doing it. We were all like 18, 19, just out of high school, like working our summer jobs. Like it was a joke. It was fucking great. But you know what that line of work's like? You're gonna meet a lot of lifers, like landscape lifers. And there was this lad named Corey. And I will never fucking forget Corey. Corey, if I'm ever a if I'm ever a movie maker, if I'm ever able to create a television show, maybe a maybe an author or something like that, I'm putting this guy into some court kind of story. This guy was so fascinating to me. It, it just never ceases to amaze me. I reflect upon Corey quite often, as I'm sure a lot of people do with hilarious coworkers they've had in the past. That is one of my favorite things to think about is just the hilarious people I've met through work. I've had a lot of hilarious jobs, so I've been very fortunate at my age to have met some awesome people, and this guy was one of them. Corey was about 32 years old, and he looked 16. He didn't look one day over 16. I could have taken him to high school. We could have walked the halls. No one would have batted an eye. He was 32 years old. He was from New Brunswick, I believe, and he made his way out to Calgary. Don't know how. He didn't have a license. He did not have a license. Like Someone had to pick him up for work every day. And they would drive him and then you'd have to drive him home. And he didn't drive a car, but he would be the guy always ripping the bobcat at the, you know, for the landscaping company. He'd be in the bobcat fucking ripping around. Like it'd be time to go home and like we're all trying to get out of the yard, but someone's waiting for Corey to drive him home because he's got the bobcat and he's like laying gravel and potholes in the fucking dirt road that literally the water truck has to go park into like no other vehicle has to travel down this road the only reason there's a pothole there is because it's barely a road it's like a legitimate trail through a grass field and this guy's like his, his rides like honking the horn at the gate waiting for him to lock it up and he's ripping the bobcat around the fucking yard filling up potholes that no one's gonna drive through this is the kind of guy he was he just lived for working and there's people that do that like their personality is their work. And I respect the fuck out of that. Too many of us nowadays are, you know, we're always bitching about working. Like no one likes to work anymore. Why can't we just train our brains to love work? Like that would be sweet. This guy loved work. But the thing I always remember the most about my dear sweet coworker Corey was that this is literally what he would drink. Like this is what he would have for lunch. One day I had a buddy that, so when I worked at that landscaping company, I had a job just by myself. I had a job that I worked out with the company because I was training with a group of guys at 9 a.m. in the morning that I would go to my training session with the lads at the gym. We'd crush that out and then I would go right to work. But my job was I literally just had a pickup truck with a huge water tank in the back that I'd dump a pound of miracle Grow into every day for the flowers and I would literally drive to like four or five different neighborhoods and just water flowers that was my entire job one summer it was fucking the best job ever it was hysterical that was truly where i fell in love with talk radio and and podcasts was because i was sick of always picking the song you know like you want to hear songs you want to listen to especially at work like when you're listening to the radio you kind of get sick of all the ads and then you know pot like like you're choosing your songs all the time because you want to hear what you want to hear but then like you know you're you're wasting too much time like trying to tweak your playlist like make sure the next song coming up is ones you want to hear and then you're in the middle of a task and the song changes to one you want to you don't want to hear so you drop what you're doing and you go back like that's not feasible it's not going to cut it so i started getting into talk radio because i you know you throw a podcast on and or, or you listen to some am radio 
And these guys talk forever and they just go and like, I mean, it just kind of makes time go by faster. So that was, that was where I really got into, you know, I feel like I found an appreciation for that, not knowing at the time that I would eventually try and make my own podcast and stuff like that. But what I'm saying is um, I worked alone, but my buddies didn't. And my buddy, I believe, was in a grass trimming crew. And this Corey that we speak so highly of was in that crew with him. And one day someone noticed Corey was carrying around six Mountain Dew. And they're like, Corey, like, what do you, what do you do? Like, no one really thought anything of it till you know, it's lunchtime. And people, you know, pull out their sandwiches, pull out their bagged lunch, sack lunch, and they're, and they're having a little grub. And someone can't help but notice that, that Corey's just over there sipping on what might be his second or third Mountain Dew. And, um, someone finally asks the question, Corey, are you, uh, are you eating lunch or are you just having a drink? Like, what's going on? Nothing for lunch today, buddy. What's going on? You need something? You want a sandwich? And he goes, ah, this is how he talked. He was a fucking like bad smoker. He was only 32, like I said, 32 going on 16, but his voice sounded like he was 73. And he was like, he's like, ah, boys, no, no lunch today. They're like, so what are you going to do? You're just going to drink Mountain Dew? He's like, oh, you drink enough of them. You're going to be full. And like, I wasn't there to hear this. I was there to see it eventually after, but like, imagine the, the breath that would have taken out of the room. Corey is just proclaiming to his coworkers that no, I will not be eating lunch. I will instead drink six Mountain Dew. And that's what he did. He drank six Mountain Dew instead of fucking eating lunch. Now, I love Mountain Dew, but I can imagine that if I had six of them back to back to back to back to back to back to back, I wouldn't be feeling too fucking sweet either. So think about that when you think about your former coworkers and what holds them dear to your heart. I love you. I love you, Corey. And I wonder most nights where you are today. I stare up at that moon some nights and I'm like, is Corey looking at that moon? Because if Corey's looking at that moon too, maybe we could have a Mountain Dew and it would be like we're having a Mountain Dew together. Well, that was weird. Um, the show, uh, this episode number 44, is being broadcasted in Sebringville, Ontario. I have made our way back south. Um, I'm going to do a couple roofs down here in the area for a couple weeks and then uh, figure out what we're going to do from then on and then forth. Um, but, uh, just before I go here, I got to share you guys this fucking awesome story. This happened to me the other day, walk in, uh, to subway and I find, you know, you see altercations like this happening at any fucking food chain, any restaurant, any takeout place. But I go in there and like, I'm walking in and there's one other guy up at the subway and at the line there and he's making orders. And the second I walk in, like I just hear him, he's speaking like very loud for some reason, but he was the only guy in there. There's two other workers behind the counter. And I just walk in and I hear the guy go and say, holy moly, is the tuna scoop gotten smaller? You better double that up there. I'm going to need about twice as much of that tuna. Holy moly. Like, first of all, yeah, I'm sure that is the case. I'm sure Subway is trying to fucking, you know, chintz their pennies cross the board and make a little extra money with the smaller scoop but do you really think that fucking chatty kathy behind the behind the counter do you think he changed the spoon himself to pull a quick one on you sir no i don't think he did so you dis voicing your displeasure with what you believe to be a smaller tuna scoop first of all who the fuck orders a tuna sub at subway if you if you do you should be arrested on the spot i should have called the police when i heard him say that but I don't, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think Chatty Cathy behind the counter there is uh, trying to screw you over. All right, sir. And so I get behind this guy, like I'm immediately intrigued by him because he's lo basically losing his marbles. Not really. 
He was about to. But so he's ordering himself a sub, two other subs, and a salad. And I mean, like he, this guy's like, oh, this guy's like into it. Like, you know, some people take like, you go to Subway and like you can see some people, like when I go to Subway, like if something gets screwed up or like, you know, like maybe they missed the topping or something or like they didn't put on the exact amount of mayo I wanted and stuff, like I'll let it slide. Like at the end of the day, it's a shitty fucking sub from a shitty sub joint. Like it's like you're, you're pending like what, 12 bucks on a sub? which is outrageous nowadays, but like it, you know, it's not going to taste that good. It's a fucking sub. It's a Subway sandwich. This isn't gourmet dining. So this guy's in there trying to create his masterpiece. I wanted to just tell him, get behind the counter and make it your fucking self then. Like he's, this guy's losing it. Like they wouldn't put on enough olives. He'd be getting him to go back and be like, yeah, couple more, couple more, couple more, couple more. Then he asks for even more tuna. This guy's already gotten double tuna on his sub. Now he doubled up the tuna on the other side. This guy might have had four cans of tuna in this one. So he might have got mercury poisoning just from the six inches of his 12-inch sub. I've never seen anything like it. It was honestly, truthfully impressive. And then, so he keeps doing these orders. He's got his sub done. He gets the two others done. Painfully slow. Like, painfully slow. Like, he is going to the detail of the amount of grains of salt that are going to hit the bread on his sub. Like, in the thing that, like, I don't really care. Like, yeah, you're paying for it. Do what you got to do. But there's, like, now there's, like, people, like, there's me and my buddy, Robes, friend of the show, old friend of the show. Um, we're waiting for our subs. Now there's other people in the line behind us. And this guy's still taking his sweet old time. Like, he's ordering for the goddamn fucking brigade outside or something like that. Like, I don't know what he's doing. He's, and he's just taking it so slow. And then it's time for himself to design his wife's Subway salad. He's getting a salad from Subway. First of all, don't get a salad from Subway. Unless you, you're going you're gonna to make a, a salad out of legitimate sandwich toppings. You're going to use the, the diced iceberg lettuce that is put in burgers and in sandwiches. And you're going to use that as the base of your salad? I don't think so. I don't think you should do that. Again, I'm not a chef, but I think I know flavor. And that ain't, that ain't, that ain't where you're going to find it. There was a time when I like was trying to not eat wheat because I thought it was making me skinnier. And I'd eat a couple subs from Subway. Somehow the Subway salad is more expensive than the sub. Which I don't understand. You get rid of the bread. You subtract the bread many times the meat from a sub like that. And it's more expensive. Now, are these toppings that they are used for sandwiches that are made, making up the salad? Is that where the expense comes from? Are they using extra of that that wouldn't be put into the sub, I have to think not. And I have to think that expense might not add up. Anyways, maybe I'm wrong. Could be wrong. But he's making his wife's sub. Again, this guy's just being such a dickhead. Like, just the way he's speaking to these people too. He's just speaking to them like they're beneath him. I'm like, bro, these are the ones holding your food right now, making it. The way you're acting about it, you should be treating them like they're Jesus above. That's what you should be treating them like. But then it comes down. He's chosen all the toppings. Put some tomato on there. You want a salad with legitimate rounds of tomato. Like like they're sliced up for a sandwich. And they just toss those. And they don't even dice them up half the time at Subway. So you want to eat a salad with rounded cuts of tomato in there. You should be put in a hospital that has a locked door. That's probably what you should do. And so he goes on. It's time to choose the condiments. Time to, time to choose the sub sauce or sub salad sauce. And, he's, and, he, and he, he can't for the life of him remember what it is. This guy's already taken... 
10 years to make his three subs. Now there's a, like a fucking line out the door behind us. What does he do? He's like, oh, one sec, got to call my wife, make sure she's getting the right sub sauce. I was about to take his phone and just fucking throw it at the wall. Be like, Johnny, you could put the best $10,000 sauce in the fucking world on this salad right now, and it's still going to be a Subway fucking salad. So how about you lock it up before I lock your jaw up and put you under the fucking hood of your own car, okay? Because I'm sick of what you're doing here and the way you're treating my people. My people being the ones behind the counter who bring me happiness through this form of subs. And he's just going off the whole time. And the second he walks out of there, like the people from behind there, like they were working behind the counter, I can hear them just let their breath out. They're like, <sighs> and I look at them and I was like, I looked at the guy, I was like, no one loves tuna that much. Nobody loves tuna that much. I don't know what else to say to you. That guy needs help. And the guy kind of laughed, you know, he's kind of feeling, he's laughing. And like the first thing I think of, folks, this, this is again, I know that there's so much learning that you're going to get on all these shows. But before I go, this is the last thing I'm going to say to you. This is a veteran move. And I'm a veteran of the sub game. I've had more subs than most will probably have in their entire life. And this is what you do. I rarely do the double meat thing, but many choose to do it. And this is the way many always do. And it's the wrong way to do it. And it's when they've already decided in their mind that they want double meat to begin with. This is where things go astray. Because when you ask for the double meat with the scoop, and that's the thing, maybe a cold cut, it's already laid out, it's already decided, the sliced meat, you know, that's our, you can't really screw that up. But when you're getting the scoop, maybe it's steak, maybe it's chicken, tuna, heavens forbid, like tuna dick. Um, but when you say double meat off the get-go, subconsciously, I, there's, I don't know, I haven't read many studies on this, subconsciously these people are going to put less per scoop when there's a double meat off the get-go because I don't know why that is but they're going to do it I don't know if they're protecting their own meat if they think they're the meat protectors I don't know what they're doing if the manager has told them to do this if that there's counts at the end of the night and they some reason want to have more meat left in the barrel at the end of the night I don't know but people will naturally they'll kind of skiff you if you're asking for double meat from the get-go what you do is you get the meat already you get those you just, you don't say double meat off the get-go you just get us you just say i just want a steak and cheese sandwich or whatever you whatever you're getting they lay the steak down and then you decide only then do you decide to double your meat then you say okay well you know what actually i would like actually double meat now that i think about it now now that that original layer of meat has not been sacrificed in any way due to the knowledge of another serving of meat joining the party the sub party so now with this information you're going to guarantee yourself a more bountiful harvest at a subway at a mr sub etc your favorite sub joint it doesn't matter this is how it should be done and this is the kind of things that you can learn through a show only like this podcast the project if you will and um yeah there's a lot of investigative journalism going on and there's gonna be more stories breaking that can help you in your day-to-day -day life. And uh, that's just one example. But folks, um, it's not going to be a month until you're hearing from me again. Hope there's anyone out there still listening because that'd be sweet. But I'm going to ramp it up. I know I've been saying that, but I'm ramping it up, okay? I'm, I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm putting that microphone a little closer to my nose, a little closer to right here. And we're going to get down to business. Folks, this is episode number 44. I'm your host of the most hopsy, baby boy. We'll be talking to you very soon. Goodbye for now. Love you all. I love you all. That's what you don't get is I actually love you. You listen to this show, I love you. I love you. Not many other 
you know, podcasters love their audience the same way I do, but I love them, okay? This is episode number 44, Chris Bronger, absolute beast. Um, We love you. We love you, and have a good night. Talk to you all soon. Bye now.